Good morning. Good to see you, everybody. How you doing? Good. One year celebration, one year anniversary. Isn't that awesome? It's really good to see you guys here. Let me just tell you, if this is your first time at Fathom, you picked a great week. Every week is a great week to be at Fathom. So it's really good to see you here. I really hope that um, you can really just connect with some people. And more than anything, I really hope you make a connection with God. Uh, Maybe if you've made that before, it just goes deeper today. Maybe if you've never made that before, something special is going to start today. And uh, we're starting a brand new series. I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm really happy just to... To be back in the United States, most of you know I've been gone um, for a while in, in Cambodia and uh, just finished up like 32, 36 hours of travel yesterday afternoon. And it's just good to be back home with my beautiful wife and my kiddos and uh, here with you today. Uh, I'm just really excited. I'm excited about what God's um, just stirring in, in us. Um, and, I, and I don't think I'm just saying that for myself. I, I think I, I'm really speaking for a lot of people in this room that, that God's just doing something internally. And uh, it doesn't take too long when God starts to do something internally that it becomes external and not only affects the people around you, but um, the, the people that are around them. And so I'm just excited about what's going to happen in 2014 uh, for Fathom Church. Um, it, it's been a crazy, uh, it's kind of crazy that I come in today and our, our, we started a series called Go. It's because I feel like I've been going all week long, uh, just traveling uh, constantly. I, I think I had I think I counted like eight or nine different modes of transportation, like planes, cars, moto scooters, something they call tuk-tuks, which is uh, like a scooter that carries it. And there's no, just if you've never been in like third world countries or countries that just have crazy traffic, uh, it's really a lifetime experience just to trust your life in the hands of some person you've never met before in traffic that there's no laws or rules. It's just wild. It's what some of us wish it was like sometimes here, but, um, or what it feels like sometimes here, but you really have no idea. And then it was really capped off, all my going and transportation was really capped off by riding an elephant. Somebody was joking with me this morning, and they, they said, man, you smell like an elephant, and I had forgot that I had posted something about that. And so that's why they were saying I smell like an elephant. I don't really smell like an elephant. Um, but... I've been going so much, and uh, if, you, if you were to guess, if I have jet, if jet lag and if I'm tired, yeah, you're totally right, but my, my, my spirit and my heart are so energized um, just to see a, a raw harvest field um, for people that are longing for truth um, and, and, and have really not experienced truth in uh, church and, and, and have never heard of Jesus um, is always just a time in which God stirs you in a really fresh way. And so I think it's so um, apropos for what God's doing in our entire community and really kind of where we're at in just the timeline of our church year two. Um, we kind of launched today, and uh, it's an incredibly exciting time to be here. So we're launching this series called Go. And really what this is all kind of built around is, is our, not just our mission statement as Fathom Church, but really the mission statement of the church. And if you're a believer in Jesus and a follower of Jesus, it's not just the church's mission statement, but it's Jesus' mission statement to you. And so many times it's easy to get caught under the umbrella of the church, but we, we, we just need to see ourselves individually, not as a, a building, but just as you, you are the church. And so Jesus' mission is really what we're starting kind of a series of series. We're going to do these first three series, Go Make Disciples, and our first one is Go, and so you can guess the next one's going to be Make, and the third one's going to be Disciples. So we're just going to live in this kind of mission statement for, for the next few months, um, and, and if you think that you have a grasp on it, just, just dive in with us, and, and it's going to get deeper and deeper. 
And I think we're going to find some really, really special things that God's going to begin to do in our life. Things that for many of us we've never experienced or encountered before. And God's going to be stirring us in ways that, that um, are really going to impact those around us and, and us personally. That's the incredible thing about as, as God, you connect to the mission of God is it not only does something for someone else, but you are transformed. That's one of the most special things about it is, is we think we're doing it for someone else. But God's doing something in you the whole time. And so this is really uh, the next few weeks with this Go series. Um, Jesus said go and fill in the blank a bunch of times. He said, go and proclaim the good news. He said, go and confess your sin to one another. He said, go and confront sin with one another. He said, all these times, go and fill in the blank. Go and sin no more. Go and repent. Go and fill in the blank. He said it a bunch of times. And so today, we're, we're going to move to Matthew chapter 28, which if, you, if you're a fathomer, um, do we have a word for that? Is fathomer or fathomite? I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know if we have a word for it. But if you're a part of, of this community, you're used to us going to Matthew chapter 28 because verses 19 and 20 is where we kind of live. It's, it's our mission. It's, it's our mission with Jesus. That's why they call it the Great Commission. It's, it's a co-mission with Jesus. And, and so we go here often, but today we're going to start at the very beginning of the chapter and go to the very end of the chapter chapter. And for those of you that um, get nervous when, when like a, a pastor says that, don't worry. I've done that through books. I'm like, hey, we're going to do the entire book today. So it's kind of audacious, but we're, we're going to work our way through this entire chapter. And, and I think we're really going to find some. And our first go and fill in the blank is go and tell. Go and tell. Not show and tell, but go and tell. And, and, and we're going to find that here in Matthew chapter 28, um, verse 1. Let's begin with verse 1 here. <clears throat> at the very beginning, and just picking up, this is the last chapter in Matthew, and uh, where we're going to find it is, is Jesus uh, is raising from the dead. So this is where we're at, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Amen. If, if you'll toss me um, that Bible, we'll keep rolling with it, okay? If you've got a Bible or you've got a phone that you can look it up. Um, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to see the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, because an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. This is how spiritual my wife is. Um, let me just tell you, she's got all these incredible notes, and she doesn't like it when I say that because her face turns red. She's got all these notes. She's such a, a good Christian. Um, so it just make, makes it hard. Some of you guys are like, you didn't even bring your Bible on stage. I know, I know, I know. I, I try to memorize it. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 28. Um, because an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it, his face shone like lightning and his, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Um, some translations say that they were playing dead. This is like the first and maybe only time you'll see grown men in Scripture playing possum. <laughs> so this might be the only time you see this in Scripture, but that's what's happening here is they were shocked by what they saw. Then the angel spoke to the women and said, Don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's been raised from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. The first thing he said is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You guys are awesome. Give it up for these guys. They're always rocking it, making it happen when crazy things happen. We might have to shut that one off or something. Um, yeah, so the first thing that is said is, is, don't be afraid. And this is a, 
a big deal in the life of a believer because fear must be addressed uh, in the life of a believer on a regular basis. It, it must be. You've got to look it in the eyes and call it what is, it, it is. And that's the first thing the angel I, I, is doing is looking at fear. Here's a couple of reasons why fear has got to be addressed in, in the life of a believer. It is, one is because it, it's the antithesis of love. God is love, and, and, and if, if God is going to be present in, in us, um, light and darkness can't have it, be in the same place. Um, it can't inhabit in the same place. And, and so um, it's the antithesis of love. The only kind of fear that we should have is the fear of God. And so the ultimate fear of God, this ultimate reverence for God, I would say is the exact same thing as perfect love. And, and John 4, 1 John 4 says that perfect love casts out fear. So these can't be together. So we've got to address this on a regular basis. Uh, if you remember back to our Advent series that, that during that, we talked about how Mary, the angel said to Mary, don't be afraid. Said to Joseph, don't be afraid. Said to the shepherds, don't be afraid. Fear is a major thing when you're about to encounter what Jesus is going to do in your life. Some of you, as I'm kind of pitching some of the things that excitement for this year, first thing that's happening to you is fear. And you probably didn't notice it. You, you just kind of got a little bit uncomfortable in your heart because you're like, what's that going to mean? What's, what's that going to cost me? What's that going to look like? And, and, and so the fear is always at the helm. But here's another reason why fear has got to be looked in the eye and called what it is and, and be addressed is because it will cripple. It will cripple your purpose. It will lock up your, your joy, and, and it will misdirect your future. It will cripple your purpose. It will lock up your joy, and it will misdirect your future. It, 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 fear will, will lead you in, in places in, in which God doesn't want you to go. And, and because it costs you something, it, it took some kind of sacrifice or some kind of step of faith, but that's really w- what it's all about here. So let's go down to verse uh, uh, 6, and then we'll pick up verse 7 and keep um, rolling with this. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. Go quickly. Here's something about obeying, and really what we're talking about is being missional disciples, that God has called us on mission. If you're looking for the purpose for your life, it's not as hard as we make it. Jesus makes it very clear. Even Christians, we make it super hard. And look, decisions are tough sometimes. It's really tough to just wrap our brain around what God's doing and if you're in one of those kind of tough times, just find it really simple. The, the mission is to go and make disciples. And we're going to get to that here in just a second. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. And one of the things about being obedient to Jesus is to do it quickly. Because is anybody else really good at convincing themselves not to do something that God told them to do? I'm, I'm really good. I feel like I'm maybe world's best sometimes at just making up excuses. But here's the thing about excuses is it, it's constantly lowering our standards that God sets for us and we set for ourselves. And every time we make an excuse, we lower our standards. And it's a dangerous place. I mean, see how that pattern goes and it works for us when we, we continue to lower our standards. So go quickly because delayed obedience is, it's disobedience. And constantly, well, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, I t- you remember kind of going back to your mom? She's like, no, I t- no, don't do it tomorrow. I told you to do it today. I told you to do it right now. Turn the video game off. I just kind of flash back into my teenage years and my middle school years of my mom telling me to do it, do it now. My dad telling me to do it, do it now because I said so. Go quickly and tell his disciples. He has uh, risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. 
Now I have told you. He is risen. He's going ahead of you. Go quickly and tell his disciples. There's something extremely powerful about this. Here for, it's the Marys and another woman, Mark tells us another woman named Salome was with them as well. And they were there to anoint Jesus' body and see his body at the tomb. They're visited by this angel. And the angel says, go tell the disciples. And so wrapped up in this statement of go and tell is, is, is their hope and, and their mission. Is kind of fulfilled in this statement. They, they're going to get to see Jesus. This has been everything they've wanted. They, they were probably scared to death. I mean, you, you've probably seen Passion of the Christ or, or depictions of You can just imagine the emotion in which they saw Jesus being beaten and then crucified. And now here we are three days later, and they're going to visit his body, anoint his body, really with all the fear in the world that he might not have been who he said he was. And they're visited by an angel that says, don't be afraid. And then wrapped up in, in this go and tell is, is their hope that they will see Jesus again. He, that he will be who he said he was. And then also a mission of obedience. It's a mission of obedience here. So it's wrapped up in here. And here's the amazing thing. He's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you in the Galilee. So here in their obedience, one of the tough, th- tough things to be obedient is because we think that we'll be by ourselves. That's one of our greatest fears is, t- is to be alone. And what greater fear is, is that, that God's not with us? That's a good, that's, I guess that's a good fear to have. But here's the amazing thing is he goes ahead of us. And that's the thing about the mission of God that we are called to. Is many of us have this kind of picture of God dragging us back into some kind of antiqui- you know, antiquity kind of religious mindset. But it, really what it is, is is Jesus bringing us into a new future. It's Jesus bringing us into his new hope. And, and he's already gone ahead of us. Jesus isn't trying to pull us back. He's trying to pull us forward. God is creator and God is creative in our lives. And he's looking to redeem all of humanity. He's not trying to pull you back. He's trying to get you to the future that he's destined for us. And, and he's ahead of us. So you don't have to fear because you're going to see him. And if you really have just a desire to see more of Jesus and more of an understanding for Jesus, know that he's going to meet you there. And you're not going to see him in, in, in methods. Jesus isn't wrapped up by methods, but it, it, it's in obedience and faith in which we'll see him. Let's continue to verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. You ever felt like that? Afraid yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Uh, This word greetings, we saw actually in the Advent message, we looked at peace and joy. This greetings word is the word hairo in Greek, which uh, really means um, joy and rejoice. And, and so because it's at the beginning of a sentence, they're first seeing Jesus. You know, it, it's a, it was an angel that said this, basically, the greetings. But I, 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 I just often pull myself back to the rejoice, be glad, meaning that showed 90% of the time that's the translation here. And I'm, I'm more pulled to that because I think that's what now Jesus has met them. They, they didn't even get where they're going yet. 
They haven't got where, you know, they were told to go to do what they've called. And already Jesus has met them. That's got to feel good, <laughs> you know. And, and this idea of just fear and joy all being wrapped up in one is pretty amazing. This greetings is, is about joy, and they clasped his feet. And, and I think we see, I, I love that it was women that Jesus appeared to first in a society in which men were kind of like this elitist um, group that Jesus appears to women who he was very close to. Uh, and not just because they had hung out a lot, but because Jesus has changed their life. And, and uh, most guys in here can say that women are a little more sensitive than men. And, and, and um, I'll even say this, and some of you guys might be mad at me, women tend to grab onto things faster than us. And so when the, uh, the disciples are going to see Jesus here in a second, some of them are still doubting. But the, the women got it. I, I love that Jesus appears to them first. Um, greetings, he said. They came, they clasped his feet and worshiped him. And so really, if you, th- this intimacy, I think there's a lot to be learned there. And in really living on mission, it's got to be built on this relationship. It's got to be built on that. Um, if you build it on, um, on duty, it will only last for a certain amount of time. But if you build it on a relationship and if it's built and it grows on it through intimacy, you'll experience greater and greater things. You'll see Jesus even before you thought you would. Let's go to verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. So Jesus is repeating it. Obviously, they still need to get this one. Um, Do not be afraid. And what does Jesus say? He says the same thing that the angel said. So Jesus is confirming Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Go and tell shows up again. And, and, and they're like, okay, we got that. But I guess they were still afraid because Mark chapter 16, which is the final chapter in Mark in which he's telling the resurrection of Jesus. Mark says that they, didn't, they, they were kind of too afraid to tell anybody along the way. I mean, don't you think you'd be running and be like, oh my gosh, telling everybody. Well, they, they, they didn't according to Mark chapter 16. So Jesus is reminding them, don't be afraid. And while the women were on their way, some of the guards, no, let's continue, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets uh, to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. They're obeying. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Let me, let me just tell you this story before, um, before we, we move on. Um, when I was in high school, I, I wasn't the, the sharpest tool in the shed, and, um, I, and I wasn't the, the, the great kid that everybody thought I was um, in front of everyone, and, and so there was one night in which I, um, I told my parents I was spending the night at a friend's house. You guys know how this trick goes? You tell them, and so there was like this whole group of us. I think there was probably like 10 or 12 guys and girls that all played this game where we told our parents we were staying at different people's houses, and it was like all the girls said they were staying here, all the guys said they're staying here, and none of us stayed at any of those places. And so um, that hap- that night happened, and then the next day comes, and, and we're at a volunteer event with Special Olympics, 
And each one of the guys that we were all, all there together, there's about four of us that were on doing this event. And we all get calls from our mom in the middle of it. We're, we're out in Tampa at the time. And uh, we get calls from our mom and says, hey, meet us at Jimmy's house when you get done. And I don't even remember if I may have gotten just a text or, or a call. I don't remember. And, and that's all. That's all we got. And so each one of us in like kind of increments of like about five minutes got this call. Go and get, when you come home, meet us at Jimmy's house. And that was all we got. And so this whole fear thing I got, uh, I mean, because it struck over us. I mean, we started, to, we started talking about going to Mexico. I mean, just, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I kid you not. We were like, well, maybe we can go to Mexico and we'll just kind of skip town. And, and I think it was kind of a serious conversation at the time. I don't, I don't know that we were joking really. But um, we got there and I can't tell you how much fear we had for the next couple of hours of just going to meet. And I kind of think uh, about the disciples with this, it, because maybe you've had that moment where you're really excited to meet someone, and it's just kind of overwhelming, and maybe you've had this fear to see someone. Um, maybe it's an, an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend, or maybe it's um, a, a, a boss that you had a kind of bad falling out with, or a family member you don't want to see. You name it, we have this kind of negative or positive emotions and anticipation, excitement, and anxiety that builds up in us. So that was kind of all building, so we, we finally... We make it to Jimmy's house, and we all pull up, and of course, all of our parents are together at the same house. This is just weird. This has never happened before. Since when has, like, group punishment been a thing that we do in American society? Um, but we go in, and we just, I mean, they just, they go out. I mean, each one of them, they just go down the line, and they didn't do it. They didn't, it wasn't super extended, but they just told us they all the exact same punishment, every single one of us for this, which is interest, interesting. We all got the exact, I don't even remember what it was, um, but because I was so used to punishment. Um, but we all got the exact same punishment, and we leave, and we all, we all kind of served our time with that. Um, years later, my mom tells me, and this is the best part, I think, of all, and now as a parent, I'm just excited for this one day. Um, she said, I wish you could have seen us like five minutes before, or right before you guys knocked on the door and came in. She said, because we were just laughing and cutting up and having a good time. We were just, thought it was hilarious what we were making you guys feel with this. So now you know my parents um, had cruel and unusual punishment too. So, but I kind of see that kind of uh, emotional thing of like they're so excited to see Jesus. Yeah, maybe they're, they're obviously afraid of this kind of, this next step in their awareness uh, uh, that Jesus has, has risen so the disciples, some worshipped him and some doubted. I mean, John talks about doubting Thomas, as he's got that nickname now, that he needed to touch the scars. He needed to see what was on Jesus' body to believe it was really him. And in John, he depicts that, that happening that where, where Jesus just appeared to him and Thomas was able to, to touch those scars. Some even doubted. Still in this, Jesus is right in front of him. Verse 18, and we're going to get into the mission, and then I want to give you a few practical things when it looks, uh, what this looks like. Um, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I'm with you. And this idea of go and make disciples is not something to be put off to, uh, you know, a, a church or, or, or an organization. It's, 
It's a mission for us. And, and for many of us, we, we've grabbed a hold of the idea of being a disciple. But that's not what this says. I mean, that's not what it says. That's not the end of the journey for believers is to be a disciple, but it's to be a disciple maker. And so for many of you, we've gotten very comfortable in our life of maybe you know, reading our Bible once a day or a few times a week or talking to God on Sundays or you know, dropping some money in the bucket and kind of feeling like we've kind of paid our debt and like we're walking in this discipleship or maybe we're even in a community group and we feel like we're being honest and real, but we haven't grasped the whole scope of what Jesus called us to until really we've journeyed, just journeyed and journeyed and journeyed to the place we're now, we're not just disciples, but we are making disciples. We're making spiritual sons and daughters. And this is where I think that what we saw in, in, in the Marys when they're visited by the angel and, and they experience this hope and mission in going and telling, I think that's what, what God wants to, to speak to us today is that there is true substance and fulfillment in going and telling. And, and so I, I want to kind of turn the page, and we're going to spend a lot of time in Matthew chapter 28, just over the next few weeks. But I want to just talk to us for a few minutes on how to live on mission with Jesus, what it really looks like for how his mission becomes our mission. And so I, I, I want to give you, I think it's four just kind of things, and each of them have some bullet points. So if you're note takers and you like to take that, uh, you're good Christians like my wife. I'm just kidding. That, that, that's, that's not the equality of um, uh, being a good Christian, but she is a good Christian. So <laughs> I, just, I just didn't want you guys to think like if you weren't taking notes, then you were some kind of like heathen or something. Um, so let's, let's go down a couple of slides, um, if you will, and then let's look at, yeah, that one right there. The first thing on how his mission becomes our mission is pray constantly. I mean, I've shared this a lot of times, and I think it's comforting to a lot of people, because there was a time where I was studying to be a pastor and really kind of diving into my calling with that, um, almost kicking and screaming, but, but really also know that it was God. Um, and I, I just had to be real with God, and I said, God, I don't even care. I don't even care about anybody else. I don't even care if, it, if they find out. And I said, you've just got to do something to my heart because I think it's going to be an issue. <laughs> I think it's going to be a real issue. And I think my transparency moved the heart of God in some way because I don't know if, what the timeline was, but I just felt it almost immediately where just God just, just broke that kind of hard heart and that yoke uh, that I was just so self-consumed. He broke that and really gave me such a... Com- Compassion. And I don't say that to pat, my, pat myself on the back, but just to say when you're real with God and you pray like, and ask him for real, for real, then he'll, he'll show up and he'll answer you. And so praying constantly, and I think this kind of looks you know, a, a lot of ways in how to pray, and I'll give you just a, a few of them um, right here. Can, can you go to the next few things? Yeah, the first is just pray, God, teach me. Teach me what it looks like. Teach me what it looks like to to live on mission, God. Teach me what it looks like to be a disciple, to make a disciple. Teach me truth, teach me humility, teach me mission, God. Just pray that constantly, God, teach me, teach me. Let this moment be something where I learn. I love the quote where I, that I heard somebody say a long time ago that I've never met a man that's not my superior at something. That means that anyone and everyone that you meet, God can teach you something through that. 
Praying constantly, God, open doors for me. When you wake up, God, open doors for me. Open doors on my job. Open doors for me to share my story. God, open doors for me to share your story. God, go before me. God, not, don't, don't just open the doors, but go and prepare their hearts. Prepare the place, God, in which I'm going to be. Just go ahead and, God, speak through me. Just praying these constantly over and over again. Let me give you an example of what this might look like. I think one that we've probably all encountered at some time. Just imagine you sit down in a restaurant and you get to talking with the, the waitress or, or, or waiter or server, whoever, and um, you just kind of begin to see their frustration. You know, every order they put in comes out wrong. Every, all the ones they did get right took forever to get out there, and you can just see their frustration. And so many times we want to, like, jump down their throat, but they don't have anything to do with it. I mean, they're not cooking the food. They're not running the whole show. Um, and when we just begin to kind of see almost some kind of brokenness sometimes uh, in people, and there's a lot that can be revealed in that. Um, and we just kind of, you know, earlier they told us that they got two or three kids that they're supporting and, you know, going to school at the same time and trying to make a better life. I mean, you just kind of begin to hear the story, get a sense of the story. And just in moments like that, and that's just one example, they're on your job, they're at every store you go to, wherever you're at, begin to roll through this. God, teach me. Just speak to me in what you're doing right now. Um, The the word that uh, is used in kind of the Christian bubble is the word intercession or interceding. It means just to pray on someone else's behalf. And that's really what I'm saying here is praying constantly, not only for yourself, but praying for others. God, what are you doing in this person's life right now? God, will you open a door for me at some point? Would you give me the question that would stir their heart in some way? God, go before me. I I, I imagine you're already doing something in their heart. If I'm even sitting here and you're doing something right now, speak through me, God. Is there a way I can encourage this person? Is there a way that I can really engage in, in what they're saying? I think there's kind of three elements in, in uh, an approach to this, these are kind of the things to pray on how to pray during this when we're looking to live missionally and, and how to live that out. And it, it's interceding that's praying for other people. The, the other one is interest, just showing genuine interest. If you want to live on mi- mission, stop being worried about your own affairs. And then when you have a conversation with someone, at least act like you care. <laughs> you know, really engage. I, I think that's one of the amazing things that we see in the life of Jesus is he, was, he didn't just drop all the answers off at the door and walk out. So he was constantly engaged. He was asking people questions. He was connected. So be praying for them, interceding. You know, ask them questions. Engage in the conversation. And, and then lastly, I think, is an invitation. So, so, so you intercede, and, and then you can um, have, show interest and then in, invite. I mean, maybe you want to invite them to coffee before Fathom and come hang out. Maybe you want to invite them to your anchor group. Maybe you just want to invite them over to your house to have dinner one night. This invitation opens up doors because the, the second thing in, in, um, that we're going to look at here uh, on how does his mission become our, um, our mission, if you guys will click that down, and actually click the next two of them down because I want to do both of these at the same time, um, is be serious about the message and the messenger. Both matter, especially in our culture and it sounds almost sacrilegious to say the message ma- the messenger matters as much as the message does. But people, if if you're not the real deal, and if you're not being genuine, people can sense it in our culture more than probably any other culture in the world. They just they can sense it because we're so good at hiding. I mean, we're so good at putting on a front 
and, and being fake, and people can sense that, and the messenger matters just as much as the message does. I, I think, and maybe you'll, you'll think I'm sacri- sacrilegious or, or not valuing the truth. I, I hold that to the highest esteem, but I think there's something very valuable in your influence um, because just dropping a track off doesn't work in our, in our society. They're looking to connect to someone that is real and that is honest and that cares about them. And that's what we see as the example for, from Jesus, is that there is a genuine concern and interest in people's lives. But we have to be serious about the message. We've got to ingest the truth. We've got to ingest the truth. We, we are fed so many lies in our culture, and, and then we just begin to accept them as truth. And, and it's such a big deal, the message and the messenger. Um, I, when I was in Cambodia, it's like 90, very high 90s percent Buddhist. Um, and, and it's just, to, to really find a people who just have no sense of, um, I'm not talking about morality, you know. Um, the vast majority are, are, you know, pretty moral people from what I can tell. Buddha's got good laws for morality. Um, but you still look in their eyes and there's still just a desperation and hunger for truth. And the message matters. And so ingesting the truth in yourself and, 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 and just kind of stripping away the, the kind of the facade that we put on so many times is so key in, in letting his mission become yours. People may not ever open up to you if they just don't believe that it's the real deal and you can shine Jesus to them. You gotta think long term, not short term. So much of our American Christian ideology is about short-term everything. It's about short-term evangelism, get people in, build the numbers, build the money. It's about this short-term kind of fix for people of feel really good at an altar and then walk out and be just the same, be just as broken. You feel better until tomorrow and you're still dealing with your junk and you've got nobody to deal with it with you. No one's walking with you. And that's, that's a lot of Christianity. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at anyone. I'm just being real on my personal experience. So we've got to think long-term, not short-term. And be patient, be a sower, and be proactive. What's the first thing 1 Corinthians 13 says? Love is patient. It's the first thing. And we've got to think long-term. If you're really going to love them, you better be patient with them. A better tip isn't just the, the, really the love that's going to go the distance with them. It's got to be patient. You've got to really be a sower. And that's something that God's just moved me in the past three, two to three months is just being a sower. Scripture says that, that some will, will, will sow and some will reap, some will harvest. And, and I think that, that, that means that on, on so many different levels. And the, the principle of, of um, sowing and reaping is true. I, I think even non-Christians talk and preach about that. Um, but being patient, be a sower into people's life, be proactive. When I say be a sower and be proactive, I mean constantly just invest in people. Just find someone to invest in them. Not someone that's all cleaned up and got their act together, but, but, but someone that, you know, um, you would almost identify Romans 5 with that says Jesus came not for the righteous, but he came for the unrighteous. I'm not talking about go get your best Christian friend um, and, and just start really investing and encouraging them. No, I'm talking about but really find someone that God's just put on your heart or God's put in your path and, and be patient with them. Be a sower. Be proactive. Go think long-term, not short-term. And the last thing, and if the, the band will, will come, um, tell your story. Go and tell. The, the angel said it to, to the girls and, and then 
then uh, Jesus repeated it, go and tell him. It was about telling the disciples. But obviously the mission is, is far greater than that. Go and tell. Scripture says a lot about, about going and telling. Um, one thing about that it says about our testimony is that we're, we're overcomers through our testimony. It says that we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, by, by Jesus' sacrifice for us, and by the word of our testimony. I, I've, I've found more freedom in confession and telling people my brokenness. I've found more freedom in that than any altar I've ever been in. I have. I've found more freedom with just whoever will listen to me, just telling them not my perfection, but my brokenness. I, I found more freedom in those moments than I have in, in, in any church building in my entire life. Sitting on the back of a truck or driving down the road on a long trip where you just seem to, everything seems to get out. I found more freedom confessing some of my, wor- or my worst sins to my wife. I found more freedom in a moment where she showed grace and love to me in response to that. I found more freedom sitting on the side of a bed with her confessing those things than I did any other place in the world. That, that thing's true. Which, but I think, and I think both have to happen. Because many of us, we're free because Jesus has set us free, but we're not acting like it because we haven't told the story yet. And this whole idea of making disciples, I think it's amazing that we're starting with that going and telling. Um, because some of us that have been kind of bound and, and um, maybe we've been freed from our brokenness, we've just yet to tell the story. And I think that's amazing freedom that some of us are getting ready to experience. Uh, here's what I would encourage you to do when it comes to, um, to your testimony, to, to telling your story of you and Jesus. I'm not just talking about telling where you came from. I'm talking about how Jesus has impacted your life. Is, is know that only specific people can connect to you. There is a specific audience and influence for every single person in this room that you have that no one else has. Because of the way your hair looks, because of the way you talk, because of your personality, because of your humor, because of where you work, because of what you do, because of where you live. There's a specific audience and influence that you have that no one else in this world has. And what I would encourage you to do is to begin to, to write your story. I'm not talking about like a, a vast doctoral essay. I'm talking about write it down in 30 seconds, like something that you can say in 30 seconds. Write it down. It's something that you can say in two minutes or five minutes. Most of our encounters are, are those. There's not many times we have 30 minutes to just kind of, that happens once or twice a year. We're, we're, we'll just pull it out like that. 30 seconds. That happens at the grocery store all the time. You get a chance. You hear something. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you what happened in my life. 30 seconds, two minutes, five minutes, and we overcome through it. In Cambodia, I, I got to meet this really special guy. His name was Sign. It's pronounced Sign, but it's, it's written in English, S-E-N. And Sign um, grew up in, in this, this small village. I say small village. It's a pretty large village. 90% of Cambodia is rural villages. 90%. They live in extreme poverty. 60 cents a day to a dollar a day is where high majority of people live. 90% of them. And um, 98, 97% Buddhist. And uh, hopelessness, they were 
in the 70s. Some of you have, have read the blogs I've been posting. I posted very early in the week. If not, you can go back and hear about Khmer Rouge, Khmer Rouge and, and just um, how these people were treated and everyone that was educated, everyone that um, could, had any kind of skilled work was murdered in the, ma- in, in, I mean, millions of people, millions of people over four years' time. One guy came in. Everybody was really excited when he came and, and he murdered anyone that wore glasses, anyone that was educated, and, and they uh, enlisted 13 to 21-year-olds. Some of you are that age in this room. 13 to 21-year-olds. They enlisted all of them and they had to kill their families and friends. Um, this was like 30 years ago. I'm not talking about that long ago. And um, so this is kind of the history of the people. And, and so met Sign, and uh, he lives in this small village called Takam. It's one where PCL, the organization we're connected with, is investing in. They built an integrated farm there to help people get a hand up and learn better techniques for farming, things that they can practically do to make a better living in life for themselves. So Takam grew up in, in this very rural village, Takam, and um, when he was uh, like a teenager, he, or, or a young teenager, he went into an orphanage, and um, somewhere in that, a missionary shared Jesus with him, and um, his life was impacted, and at that moment, in, in this, one of the amazing, crazy things about their culture is that no, kids don't dream. Kids don't dream. What's there to dream about? This is our life. A dollar a day, hopefully. You know, this is the water we drink. This is, I mean, infant mortality before five years is a major deal. I mean, you name it. I can just list all the problems over and over again. Kids don't dream. But but sign, after meeting Jesus, God gave him a dream to go back to to Takam and to to help his people have a a better life. And, And so now Takam has helped vision and lead an integrate, this integrated farm with PCL. And he's teaching the people to, when they were only able to do one crop, now they have three crops a year. Widows that were just dying um, because they had no one to take care of them and were living on less than 60 cents a day are now able to make three times the normal wage through some mushrooms they're able to sell and they teach them how to grow them. Um, Incredible, this incredible dream and vision for it, and his vision was to start a church there. And so now, now Sign, years, now let's fast forward to where he's at now. Now Sign is a parent at an orphanage. He oversees all these kids, and, and he's the house parent for a lot of the boys. And he's working in this farm, and they, they, they launched publicly a church like three months ago, and there's like 70 people that's coming already from this village, and it's like in the middle of nowhere. 70 people already that's coming to this village, and his dream has been fulfilled. And, and I just see this kid and the transformation that God's done in his life, and, and I just think what God can do through our audience and the dreams that he'll give us as we're honest and we go and we tell our story and what God's going to do in our lives, what redemption God's going to do in our lives. So I just want to invite you to stand in this moment. And I want to pray that, that the vision for what Jesus said to go and make disciples will resonate within us today. The vision to go and make disciples, that being a disciple is not the end of the journey, but to make disciples is the mission that Jesus gave us. God, I pray in this moment for this incredible group of people, God, that 
we would somehow encounter your, we'd see you, God. When you tell us to meet you, God, in a certain place, God, we would go, we would go quickly. You'd meet us there, God. Pray in this very moment that the vision for the kingdom and away from our consumerism, God, and away from our selfishness, God, you would draw us into the mission of Jesus to make disciples, God, for, for those that have never encountered the truth of Jesus in this room today, God, I pray that they would make a, a major step in confessing you as Lord today and a Savior. God, help us to be moved from our complacency and our comfort to a place where we live on mission. God, stir it up within us. God, give us a vision for the kingdom. Give us a vision for the kingdom. Let's just listen to the Lord speaking as they lead us in worship in these next few moments. We'll have an invite to the table in just a moment.